When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Pothole is the nothing personal word of the day for Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. Pothole, not the thing on the street, but on the highway when you're driving and they fill it and then it gets a hole again and then you have to refill it. Potholes represent picture driving down the highway. And every time you hit a pothole, you are driving over an old stadium and then they fill it with a new stadium. I always viewed stadiums as potholes because it never ends. It's the interminable issue that we all have. It keeps people working. It's an economic driver not to permanently fill potholes because you need potholes to be created by bad weather or wear and tear because then people get to work and make money and make a living wage in theory and then fill the potholes. There is no end to the quote unquote new stadium cycle. People make a very large mistake when they say, hey, in baseball, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Oakland A's, they are the last two teams to get a new stadium. I always explain that they're the last two teams of this wave of new stadia. But the minute that's done, there's going to be the next wave, which are the old new stadiums, which are now the old, old stadiums, which owners say, hey, let's do it again. And in baseball, it already happened. The Atlanta Braves have two new stadiums. They moved out of Turner Field and back into Truist Park, built something new. You've got the Arizona Diamondbacks, the the brand new, so I thought, Chase Field. They are working to get a new ballpark, fighting with the local authorities over who's paying what, when, where, and how. It never ends. The reason why it never ends is everybody is always playing catch-up. In a game of leapfrog, isn't there always someone in the back? That's the whole purpose of what leapfrog is. 
So teams are trying to leapfrog over each other in terms of ability to generate local revenue. And once they do it, then they fall back because someone leapfrogs over them. Yesterday, the Kansas City Royals announced in a very perfect way, if there is such thing, that they've got an idea. They want Kansas City on the heels of the Kansas City Chiefs and all the great things that are going on in Kansas City. They want to be part of the greatest city in the world because everybody who has a stadium is in the greatest city in the world, according to themselves. And they want a new stadium so they can keep being the greatest city in the world because they don't want to fall behind. The language in many new stadium deals specifically says our new stadium will always be kept up so it can be one of the top five stadiums in the country. That is what owners do to trick politicians and politicians have not caught on yet. You are part of the top five when you are brand new, but as your stadium gets older, there is nothing you can do to be part of the top five because there will be a new top five because there will be newer stadiums. Then to become part of the top five, you have to spend an exorbitant amount of money in renovations. And then you get to say, hey, that math doesn't work. Instead of renovating, let's just build a new one. It's the same thing every time. Groundhog Day. But here's where owners have gotten a little bit more clever. You start talking about big words that some people understand and other people have no clue what they are, but they read them. They read the words affordable housing, which is one of the subjects that the Oakland A's are dealing with, the Tampa Bay Rays are dealing with. We've talked about how affordable housing enter Miami to get their uh, soccer stadium in Miami. There was a whole discussion about affordable housing. I like that. I've never understood what affordable housing had to do with a stadium until stadiums were not just stadium deals. Stadiums have become real estate deals and development deals, which is why what you're reading with new stadiums everywhere in your community, wherever you live, it's not just about a place for your home team to play. Now it's about we want this to be a gathering place where there are shops, retail shops, there's commercial leasing opportunities, there are homes, affordable homes, there are condos, public parks, you got to throw that in. All of that is being thrown in because then the teams get to say, hey, we're not the Marlins. We're not the Buffalo Bills or the Buffalo Buffs. We're not asking for public money for our stadium. We're asking for public money for the development around the stadium. <laughs> Who are they tricking? You. The politicians. Equally. Although you have less say than the politicians, other than the fact that you vote the politicians in, but you don't know whether they agree or disagree with this type of development. Unless they actually run on the agenda, on the platform of wanting to help keep a city major league. So the Kansas City Royals submit this three-page letter from the owner, John Sherman, no relation to Bruce Sherman, the owner of the Marlins. And the letter talks about all of the great things that come with a stadium and then talks about this is the playbook that we all write about how to get a new stadium 
Ben talks about the process of inclusion because that's such a big word that people are going to use in your communities. We're going to ask you what you think of our plan. We're going to ask you for suggestions. It's like saying, we want to na- rename the, this team. What do you think? We're going to take one of your suggestions. We never take one of your suggestions when we ask for your suggestions. I had an entire suggestion box and I would talk about all the things that we did in the new ballpark that were all because of the people who said that that's what we should do. And we do it so you have ownership of it. You feel a a connection to it, a relationship to it. But you think that that's actually how it works. Hey, I think that there should be a fewer seats in a row so I don't have to walk past 15 people to sit in the center. Thank you for that suggestion. We will now redesign the entire seating chart and the entire prefab concrete of where of the seating bowl because of that. Thank you. I would like to make sure that there is beer within 10 feet of every time I leave my section. Thank you. We're now going to redesign. We're going to call our concessionaire, redesign the entire concessions, and then we're in. We want to make sure that this ballpark looks like it fits in our community. Great. We're going to suggest that to the architect. And when it gets approved, we're going to make sure we put the design out to you in a rendering that will look nothing like the stadium looks when it's actually built and make sure that you like the way it fits inside the community. It's a bunch of horse hockey, but that's the playbook because we don't want to hear that you're not involved. We don't want to hear that you feel that it's been a surprise. I had no idea. New York is doing it too. I'm sitting here in New York and we are excited to say that. I'm excited. I mean, who doesn't want to go to Queens to watch New York City Football Club? I mean, raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're not excited to be a part of a new stadium in Queens. 25,000 seats opening in 2027. It's only $780 million. Prices are high, but don't worry. It'll come with affordable housing. (laughs) Affordable housing and casinos. This is the latest idea of what they want to do where Steve Cohn lives. Steve Cohn is the owner of the Mets. Steve Cohn is very involved in this. Do you know why? When he paid over two bills for the New York Metropolitans, one of the things that he assumed and thought and did as part of his pro forma, other than the tax benefits from ownership in the first five years, which enables him to lose money and have such a high payroll so that Buck Walter could be manager of the year. Other than that, he wanted to get rid of the chop shops. The chop shops have been there since the beginning of time. And that was a promise made when City Fields got built. Hey, we're going to make this a destination. It's going to be amazing. Guess what? Didn't happen. I wonder why. Oh, because City Field was totally publicly built. Except you were told it was totally privately built. Don't forget that. Yankee Stadium and City Field were part of one of the biggest, biggest public subsidies ever. Ever. Just go look up payments in lieu of taxes. Remember, It doesn't have to be as obvious as when I did it, where you say, hey, the public is putting in $350 million of a $550 million stadium. And we're taking it from an existing tax source, a tourist tax, a bed tax in Florida. They're much smarter than I was back in 09 when I did this deal. Way smarter. Now they say we're building the entire stadium privately. That's what the Mets and Yankees did. This is a privately built stadium. We're paying for everything. Oh, by the way, Uh, 
we're making payments and we're not paying taxes. So dollars are fungible. By the way, we are changing the entire infrastructure so you can get in and out of our building faster. Public infrastructure counts as public subsidy because when the private sector is benefiting from the public infrastructure improvements, that's public money into a private enterprise. I am extremely in favor of that. The reason I'm in favor of that is that's what the government is supposed to do. You are supposed to goose private companies to do business where you are, in your city, in your community. So there's a, a sheik who owns Manchester City and owns New York City FC. He's part of a, he's partnered with the Yankees. So picture this, the Yankees own 20% of New York City FC. And that means that they stand a profit from moving across from City Field where the Mets play. It's so incestuous now. Steinbrenner, big, old George Steinbrenner never would have done this. New Steinbrenner is just business. Oh, that could have ended the show, Coca, but too much more to talk about. So they're going to build this thing. And the way they're going to get people to do it, like in Oakland, like in New York, is affordable housing. Do you know what that is, Coca? We talked about it a little bit pregame. But I just want to, I want to tell everyone what affordable housing means. Because people say, what, what does that mean? Like, is my housing affordable? So affordable housing generally means that if you are paying under 30% of your gross income for all of your housing costs, which is mortgage and utilities and rent, whatever it is, that would be, quote unquote, an affordable house, which means in New York, I would argue pretty persuasively, the percentage of affordable housing in New York is de minimis. How many of you who live in the city are spending more than 30%? The rule we had growing up when we were going to move to the city as a young banker down on Wall Street is, hey, if you can be at under 50% with your rent in New York, you are doing well. Anything under 50% of your gross income, including utilities, for housing means that you are in affordable housing. If it's above that, it's not affordable. People who have money or who are making money use affordable housing in a different way than people who make less money. Because there is housing you can find that's affordable if you're making, let's say, $200,000 a year. If you're making $40,000 a year, it's harder to find housing that is, quote unquote, affordable to you. So they do this construct, which is a math equation, which just says what percentage of that 40000 is going to rent. And then affordable housing would then cap the rent, quote unquote, at 30% of the median income for that area. And then the owner of the Stadium gets to say, hey, look, we developed affordable housing. And the reason why owners don't like affordable housing is that it caps the amount of money that you can charge people to live in an area that you are trying to make nice and you are trying to get people to come there and spend money before, during, and after games. And the theory is, quote, unquote, affordable housing, that is a synonym for crime and poverty. That is why owners do not want to participate and why it becomes such a huge part of the negotiation. Now, in City Field, Steve Cohn is the owner of the Mets, is not going to have that conversation because what's around his stadium now is worse than affordable housing. 
It's those shops where there's nothing happening, no revenue being generated. And oh, by the way, he doesn't just want a stadium across the street from his stadium. He wants a casino. So clearly he doesn't care the type of people who every other Friday are coming into the casino, spending all of their checks, all of their paychecks. Ever been to a casino and looked at the people who are gambling and said, wow, can they afford to be losing what they're losing? It's like people buying lottery tickets. If people saved all the money they spend on lottery tickets, they'd have money to spend on other things, right? Although all you need is a dollar and a dream. You may win the $1.9 billion, right? And then watch a documentary about yourself where you're back in poverty, in affordable housing, in a matter of years. So Steve Cohn is applying to get a casino and there are three groups trying to get a casino around City Field. What do you think? Steve Cohn will win that one? Any thoughts? You think Steve Cohn is involved, needs to get involved? They're going to put a 25,000-seat stadium across the street from City Field? Hmm. You think that all this is just coincidence? It's all blind bids. It'll go to the best bid, the best person the best economic deal for the community in the city. This is not corruption that I'm describing. This is business that I'm describing. And it is big business. So these stadiums are going to be built and then new stadiums will be built. It's just another pothole. Well, here we are. The off season started. There are a lot of kids yesterday who had good days. It was always a great call. Yesterday was the deadline in Major League Baseball to add eligible players to a roster. I want to explain what that means very, very briefly. There's something in baseball called a 40-man roster. That means there are 40 players who are part of your protected group of players. They're your property. That is made up of the 26 players who suit up every day as a major league, as a major leaguer, and then 14 minor leaguers who are somewhere in your minor league system, but they're part of the roster and they get the benefits that come with union representation, et cetera. Now they're all represented by the union, by the way, but it used to be union representation, higher wage and security when you're part of a roster. Yesterday was a deadline for teams to add eligible players. When you are drafted, you get six years without needing to be put on the roster roughly. And some sometimes it's under, but doesn't matter. There are deadlines every year for a certain number of players. And if you don't add a player to the roster when they have to be, that means they are eligible to be chosen by another team and added to their roster. That's called the rule five draft in baseball. So yesterday was the deadline for teams to add players who they didn't want to lose to other teams. So you get the call from your head of player development, which is your someone who runs the minor leagues, who says, congratulations, you are now on a major league roster. Very exciting. 40 man, it's called. So that's one of the deadlines that happened. So you're doing roster management in baseball. So all of your favorite teams, you're seeing players who are traded, players who are released, players who are added to the roster. You can always only have 40 people on your roster at a time. That's it. So if you're at 40 and you want to add someone in a trade who's a major league player who has to be part of a roster, then you have to take someone off your roster before you're allowed to add someone on. That's just math. It can always be at 40. When teams are signing free agents and beginning to sign free agents, when you sign a free agent, like the Los Angeles Angels signed a pitcher, they took a pitcher away from the Dodgers. 
that's such an Artie Moreno move. The owner of the Angels trying to weaken the crosstown Dodgers and strengthen the Angels. What he doesn't understand, and this is why the Angels are so unsuccessful, is that the Angels got worse with Tyler Anderson and the Dodgers got better because the Angels overpaid Tyler Anderson coming off one good year last year. That's it. And they paid him as though he's been good for a long time. As a matter of fact, Coca, not in the show. Total side note. Can we write down today, 806? Um, what's the day today? 1116. Can we revisit at the end of the baseball season next year? So this will be next October. Tyler Anderson will have a worse year in every measurable way in 2023 than he did in 2022. That's wins, that's ERA, that's innings pitch, that's strikeouts, that's walks. So will you book that as an official wait to see that Tyler Anderson, who went to the Angels on a three-year deal, he, the Dodgers end up getting a draft pick from the Angels and don't have to overpay for his one year of performance. But that is a wait to see. So players are signing. The only way the Angels could sign Tyler Anderson is to make sure they had space on their roster. So there's a lot of this sort of negotiating going on within each ball club about who's going to be on the roster and what that roster is going to look like. And then how much space you want on your roster going into the winter meetings, which are coming up in December because you want space on your roster to sign more players or to take players from other organizations and put on your roster. So you want flexibility. It's called roster flexibility. So there's a bunch of deadlines this time of year, roster, adding players to the roster, Yesterday was the deadline for players to accept a qualifying offer. That's the thing we discussed uh, maybe this week where 14 players got offered that one-year $19.65 million deal. And we talked about Martin Perez of the Texas Rangers who finally got a good year and then had a qualifying offer and said, of course, he's going to take it because why would anyone pay him more than that? It turns out they wouldn't, and he took the qualifying offer. We told you about Jock Peterson. He had one good semi-year with the Giants last year, basically a platoon guy and negative defender, but he wears a nice pearl necklace. He got $19.65 million, and he said, hell yeah. So now the Giants are stuck paying a part-time player $19.65 million because they must have thought, hey, he may get a two-year deal somewhere else so we could get a draft pick. But for the Giants to have 19.65, if I'm the GM of the Giants and I'm looking at my roster today, and I see a 19.65 next to Jock Peterson. I then get a call from the owner. Hey, it's Bob Johnson. Just a quick question. Don't you think we can spend that 19.65 in a different, better way? It's not like he's associated with one of our championships. The way he won in Atlanta. What, what are we doing here? I don't know. That's why he accepted it. If a player accepts your qualifying offer, it means you should not have made him a qualifying offer. So the players... Forget the Aaron Judges, but like an Anthony Rizzo is a great example. All the Yankees are celebrating. The fans are so happy. Big bat returns. I draw your attention to the show from yesterday when I said the Yankees, quote unquote, running it back is not going to be good enough. They were not good enough last year to win. Period. Bringing back Anthony Rizzo at one year at $19.65 million. I understand. You want to try to squeeze one more year out of him? keep him as a lefty in the lineup, take advantage of the short porch and right field, blah, blah, blah. Okay. 
Then we hear that Anthony Rizzo is signing a longer deal with the Yankees. And worse than that, it's not even below the annual value of the qualifying offer. It can't be true. The rumor is that Anthony Rizzo signed a $40 million two-year deal. That's 20 a year when the qualifying offer was 19.65. Good luck. Good luck. It's a very complicated situation trying to figure out what you're going to do in free agency and how to value. We saw that that reliever from the championship Houston Astros, Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, gave that guy Montero. You watched him in the eighth inning during the postseason. You know him if you're are you if you're a Mets fan, you've heard his name. If you're a fan of baseball, or you may have heard his name because he was nothing until Houston. And all of a sudden he's this, he's a failed starter who's a good bullpen arm, had a good year, and then got three years like $40 million from Jim Crane. Players who can figure it out on their free agent year, man, they can take advantage of owners in such a significant way. We'll see how it all pans out. All right, when we come back, we're going to review a movie that I wanted to like so desperately and didn't. And then we're going to talk about what's going on in Boston. But as we go to break, a happy what would have been 83rd birthday to my dad who passed away too recently to think about, but he would have been 83 today and he would have been listening to this show. I'd like to think he is listening to the show, but then I'd like to think that I'm rational. Happy birthday, Dad. We'll be right back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. Thank you for joining us. Matthew Koch and I bring you a show every day when I'm not at a car race. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing. Get on YouTube. By the way, we didn't hear from Joe. What's the last name, Coca? He's got to reach us on Twitter. He's got a week. Joe Fidoli, I think was his name. Joe, if you're listening to this show or anyone knows him, you won. I don't know how to get to you. You're a YouTube subscriber. Keep subscribing on YouTube. We have good giveaways. So a new movie came out called Ticket to Paradise. I actually spent $19.99 because it's George Clooney and Julia Roberts. Who doesn't want to see George Clooney and Julia Roberts in a movie? Don't raise your hand. I can't see it. I'm talking to nobody. A little camera in a little studio. But you're listening. 
All right. You're welcome. Don't spend money to watch Ticket to Paradise. That's number one. Number two, don't spend time when Ticket to Paradise is free on your streaming channel. That's number two. Number three, have you heard the one about the divorced parents who have to reunite in order to help a child who's making a big mistake by getting married? And the divorced parents say, I know what you're doing. You're going to get divorced and you're going to move away and not live near us. So we're going to save the day and we're going to ride in together and we're going to fight because that's what divorced people do. They fight. Oh, I wish you had been like that when we were married. Oh, you didn't look like that. Just whatever. It's so bad that George Clooney and Julia Roberts just said, oh, it's a part of parents. where We're going to get paid nine figures. Eight figures, seven figures, eight figures. So they took it. Well, I took the bait. I gave them each 10 bucks. Damn it. Ticket to Paradise is a ticket to script hell. That script got greenlit. There's not a laugh. There's not a smirk. There's only sadness that Julia Roberts and George Clooney, who are so entertaining and so good when they get the right material and they choose the right material, they decided to have a play date with themselves on a desert island in a resort town, bring their families, have fun, and we had to watch the crap. Okay. Did you watch the season premiere of Yellowstone? If you didn't, you're one of the few. Do you know the Yellowstone, the people who watched the season five premiere were more people than watched like four out of the six World Series games? And even more than that, like four out of the six NBA finals. The only thing that Yellowstone didn't do better than because nothing does better than is the NFL. 29 or 30 million people watched the Packers and the Cowboys play. And 12 and a half million people watched Yellowstone. And even fewer watched the majority of the World Series games. However, I wanted to bring this up to you because Yellowstone is created by Taylor Sheridan, who is now creating, I believe, 17 different shows all at the same time because Yellowstone has been such a huge runaway hit. It was this small sort of thing in season one. It gained momentum and it has become a juggernaut of success. I happen to love Yellowstone, the stories, the characters, it is nail-biting drama. We've reviewed several of the seasons. One of the things that we talk about in sports and in business is that when you have success, to change what made you successful is almost certain to cause failure. That doesn't mean you shouldn't expand. It doesn't mean that you can't do more or spend more or make more because rich people get richer, big businesses get bigger. But the way big businesses get bigger is by doing what they do best and doing it more. McDonald's. Hey, let's open one everywhere in the world. But whenever you go, you are going to have the same sense if you have taste and smell. And it's going to feel like home. No matter how crazy the outside world is where you are, you put a quarter pounder with cheese in your mouth, you're home again. Let's expand. Wait, McDonald's is not tasting the way it tastes? There's no golden arches? The fries aren't salted? Wow. This makes me feel worse. 
There are shows like that where they become a victim of their own success, where their budgets are increased because their third season is greenlit with a bigger budget because the first two seasons were so successful. And it means you add different locations. You add more extras. You add a different vista. But if the writing loses quality, that's the same as making the burger differently. I can't wait to see the numbers for Yellowstone the rest of the season. But am I alone in that the first two episodes of Yellowstone season five were stinky? They were nothing like the first four seasons of Yellowstone. The hardest thing to do is to go Shit's Creek. And I'm going to make that a verb from now on. Shit's Creek does not just apply to TV. It does not just apply to business. It applies to everything in life. Going Shit's Creek is knowing when to leave, knowing when to stop, knowing when you have gotten every ounce of what you can from a situation or a person or a business or an experience. It's better to leave a minute too early than a minute too late. It's better to have one fewer season than one season too many. It's better to stop expanding one store too soon than to overexpand and cost your business. Bankruptcy or worse. Don't get taken aback here by everything that happened with the series premiere and all the numbers you're going to read and how sports is dying. Don't worry, sports isn't dying. You know what may be dying? Hey, it's not going to die, is it, Coca? Do you think that the statement and the investigator are going to die? This show, it would worry me a little bit because we talk about statements a lot. We talk about investigations and teams being investigated, teams doing investigations, the law firm of Coca-Cola, Ola, and Samson, and the investigations we do. We talk about this stuff so much because it goes on all the time. When did our country become or our world become, hey, sorry, we'll investigate? It's what we are. We're going to form a committee. That's what it used to be. We would form a committee, an internal committee, and we're going to figure it out what happened. What went wrong? We're going to retrace our steps. We're going to galvanize all our resources. And we are going to tell you when we went off the rails. That's not good enough now. Now you have to hire an outside person and say they are totally independent and they're going to investigate what we did to make sure we don't do it again so we can tell you we're not doing it again and you can say, phew, I can be a fan of the team and proudly wear the jersey again. There's an entire cottage industry of these outside investigators. But yesterday is a brand new one. So good. For all you people up in Boston, are you proud of your Bruins? Boston Bruins of the National Hockey League. Here's the backstory. They signed a free agent hockey player. Turns out that hockey player had gotten in trouble when he was a kid for bullying and abusing somebody. And I am not in favor of either bullying or abusing, obviously. I've told you all the bullying I got. I told you some bullying I've done. It's, uh, it's an unfortunate part of growing up that I wish would go away and has been going on since the beginning of time and is unlikely to end. That said, if each of us 
were judged on everything we did as a teenager, I can assure you that we would not be in positions that we are in today, whatever your position is. The sort of global way to say that, the macro way to say that, if we're all judged on our worst moment, I don't think we'd survive. If we're all judged on our best moment, we would all not be real. I believe moments need to be like judges in figure skating. You take the highest score away, you take the lowest score away, because there could be a reason that is personal, and then you take the average of the rest and you've got yourself a score, or you add up the points of the rest. You know my what I'm saying. Take out the outliers. Stay within one standard deviation of average. But this guy who was drafted or signed by the Bruins, not a great guy. When he was a kid, have no idea what he's like now. The bullying that he did was bad. It involved race, not weight or height. I, uh, When you're the subject of being bullied, isn't it how you react to what's said to you that makes it bullying? So is it not bad bullying when you're made fun of for being short or made fun of for being fat because you're not being made fun of for the color of your skin? I don't know. So... The Bruins all of a sudden find themselves in a heap of crap because Gary Bettman, the commissioner in hockey, who's so busy trying to be one of the big three, baseball, NFL, and MLB, so busy wanting to be it in the, in the room where it happens as commissioners, gets out ahead of it and says, this type of person is not who we want in our league. This person will not play in our league until he proves to me that he is a far better person than he was when he was 14 years old some such thing. Then, a couple days later, the Bruins say, you know what? Sorry. Our bad. We're not signing him. We're not playing him. We're done with him. Then yesterday, it was perfection. They hired Loretta Lynch. That name may come up on Friday's show. Loretta Lynch, Loretta Lynch is a former U.S. Attorney General who now is in the private practice of making money. That's what generally you do when you were in public service. You then go to the private sector and make all the money from what you did when you were on the public sector. She was hired, get this, as part of a law firm to conduct an independent review of the Boston Bruins, wait for it, quote, player vetting process. Did you hear it? The Bruins announced that Loretta Lynch will, quote, conduct an independent review of our player vetting process in order to make sure, quote, that our process going forward reflects our core values. Oh, my God. Do you think that she's investigating the player vetting process in terms of on-field skill? Hey, I really think that we got to work on the slider. I've looked. I mean, that fastball has no late life. And in terms of skating ability, I'm telling you, there's not enough speed there. Back up and down from blue line to blue line, not good enough. I don't know what your scouts are looking at, but that's what I'm telling you. Pay me money. Or are they vetting off the field? Hey, we're going to do 
better background checks. We're going to go and interview everyone they knew from the time that they had their first pair of underwear on. And we're going to say, hey, what was he like in second grade? It's the biggest crock of crap I've ever heard. That is not going to happen. When teams are looking at players, they are scouting their abilities on the field and praying to God that whatever problems they had off the field won't stop them from being successful on the field. You smoke dope? Are you on the crack pipe, son? Well, just make sure you stop because we want you to help us because our scouts who know what they're looking for in talent think you're going to be good and you're going to be cheap and good and we're going to get to win before you get expensive. That is all that is being vetted. Can you help us win before you are too expensive to help us win? How quickly can you produce at the major league level? And please wipe your social media. Let's pretend that you were a decent kid and let's move right along. What exactly is Loretta Lynch going to say in this report that, by the way, the Bruins said, we're going to make it public. I can't wait for this. That's the new thing after what happened in the NFL with their reports on Washington command skins. Hey, we can't make it public. Why? Oh, she didn't write anything down. Oh, that's right. Give me a break. So now everyone is forced to say, we'll make it public, which costs more money because they've got to make up some crap to make public. And you think the Bruins are going to follow a this 20-step process of player vetting on off-field stuff? Our core values are inclusion and niceness and anti-bullying and no racism, no misogyny. We're going to make sure that whoever we scout and sign and draft has never said a bad word to anybody. We're just going to make sure that anyone in youth hockey, youth baseball, youth soccer are going full John Travolta. They're going to live in the bubble. We're going to create this big bubble. They're just going to stay there. And then we won't have to pay independent outside investigators to vet what they're like. I just can't. The president of the Bruins is a former player named Cam Neely who's been forced to deal with this issue with public statements. He's a former player, and he's now their spokesperson and president. That happens way more in hockey than any other sport where the former player becomes the head of the team. He was very upset with the failures of the team's vetting process when they signed Miller. <laughs> and he said, hey, we found out some stuff after we signed him, and that's why we released him. We had no idea that he had been a bully when he was 14. We're very concerned. And the Bruins are being criticized because they didn't reach out to the family of the people, of the kid who was bullied. Now, you've heard me talk about this issue before where I have criticized teams for not doing the bare minimum when they are looking into, signed, into signing a player who is currently doing domestic violence or has recently been charged with such, where it's very easy. It is not hard when you are deciding whether or not you are going to sign Deshaun Watson if you would like to contact the women who are suing him or have been public suing him or are claiming to have been abused or assaulted by him or harassed by him. That's sort of like level one due diligence, and the Browns didn't do that. Why? They didn't care. You think the teams as part of this new process are going to go back 20 years, 10 years, five years 
It's not going to change. It's not going to happen. The teams don't have the resources, but worse than that, they don't have the care. Loretta Lynch. Stay tuned for Friday. It's pretty good. Nothing personal pick of the day. The Jazz lost their first home game to the New York Knicks. The Knicks are on a two-game road streak, road trip, playing in Utah and Denver. I spent my life reading notes from my father who would leave notes because I had to go to bed before West Coast games were done and I was such a huge Nick fan and there was no other way to get scores. There were no cell phones because I'm old. So the notes were Knicks lose 149 to 144 in double overtime to the Nuggets. But you never, the Knicks could never go on that road trip and do well, but they beat the Jazz. There's no way they beat the Nuggets. My childhood can't be that different. It simply can't be. Nuggets over the Knicks is the pick tonight. We're 128 and 109. We had two wait to sees yesterday. Did you see manager of the year? We told you Terry Francona would win over Brandon Hyde, and that's what happened. Congratulations to Tito, one of the great men in baseball. So, so happy for him. I do not share that view of Buck Showalter. I'm not happy that Buck Showalter won manager of the year. If you're a Mets fan, you shouldn't be happy that he won manager of the year. Him winning manager of the year is wrong, and it happened. I thought it would be Dave Roberts. He would have been my vote. Dave Roberts is taken for granted no matter how crappy in game he is. He gets wins out of his team. So we got that one wrong. Cy Young is happening tonight. We got awards tonight. Cy Young, it's big. We always wanted a Cy Young winner with the Marlins. We had all this great pitching and we never had one. And I really thought we would have. And we, we, the Marlins also never hit for the cycle, which is strange. We have all these no hitters, World Series rings. But no Cy Youngs. We had an MVP, John Carlos Stanton, Rookies of the Year, Managers of the Year, all that. Tonight, the Marlins are getting their first Cy Young Award winner in their history. On the National League side, Sandy Alcantara is going to win the Cy Young Award, which is really cool because when you have a player who wins the Cy Young, you get to present him the Cy Young Award on opening day as part of like, if you have a gold glove, which they don't have, or a silver slugger, which they don't have, or an MVP or anything like that, which they don't have. But now you got a Cy Young, that's major. You get to put that person on the cover of your media guide. You get to promote it nonstop. It's very cool. On the other side, in the American League, it's going to be Justin Verlander. We talked about that during the course of the World Series on CBS Sports HQ and on Nothing Personal. Justin Verlander is going to win the Cy Young, his third Cy Young award tonight for a team that he's no longer on, but negotiating with to stay, who's 39 years old. The Houston Astros are screwed because they're going to think they have to resign Verlander. Verlander is going to think, hey, I'm coming off a of Cy Young. I'm 39. I'm doing great. I'm going to go full Clemens other than the steroid part, and I'm going to keep pitching. I'm Nolan Ryan. He's not. Someone's going to overpay for Verlander, but tonight... He is going to win a Cy Young. That is a wait to see Verlander and Sandy of the Marlins. Tomorrow, we'll give you our MVP picks. That's what's happening in the world today. <laughs> My name is Walter Cronkite, and that's the way it is. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow. That's our show. It's just business. But, hold on. Toka, one second. Let me do that. Two 
1-800-529-5569. That's our show for today. It's just business. It's nothing personal. No, no, hold on. I can't even remember what we're supposed to do. 42980. My name's David Sampson. That's our show for today. It's nothing personal.